The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. This is our episode to kick off a brand new year. So happy new year. Happy 2024. Yes, we made it to the 2024. That's what the kids are calling it these days. And who better to uh, talk to us about, I mean, it just so happened, coincidence, a godsidence of talking about music, talking about human trafficking, uh, January being human trafficking month, Mm -hmm. and uh, would be an incredible artist and advocate and Amy Sabbath. You guys, thank you so much for having me. And again, what a god incidence! How do you say that? Yeah, that's a, that's right. Yeah, that's it's a, a Johnnyism. You you both have never heard that before, just from you. I think I've heard it in some form or another, but I love it. I love yeah, that I we got to experience that. You can put that on a T-shirt. You are very welcome. Uh, Amy, we'd like to ask the skill testing question because we never know where it's going to go, and that is, who are you, and where did you come from? Physically, where did I? Come? <laughs> <laughs> Open to interpretation, however you wherever want to answer. You, yeah, where do you want to take it? I hail from Toronto, um, but the last decade, more than a decade, actually, just December 1st, Peter and I celebrated 11 years of marriage. Mm. Um, I've been in Michigan for a decade. I'm curious, like, how did you then get to Canada, to Toronto? Yeah, when my parents got married, they moved, my dad had already moved from Australia to Canada as a teenager, and he went back to to Australia to visit some friends, met my mom, they got married, moved to Canada. And so all the kids were just born in Toronto. For somebody who is uh, an, an artist, um, was that where your heart was from to me? Like, when did you realize that you were good enough to do this as a living? Honestly, I didn't know that you could do music unless you were signed to a major record label. So I had never had hopes and dreams to do that. But during my university years in my late teens, early 20s, a friend of mine was like, you need to start recording things. And I was like, what do you mean? How do you record things? I thought you can only do that if you're signed. And he set me up with some friends of his in a studio and we made some really low budget recordings. And then when I got a taste for the recording scene, I was like, oh yeah, I'm not doing this low budget anymore. This is not working for me. I need to sound like my favorite albums and records. And the Lord just started opening doors. And I had a really ambitious first album which I'm still so proud of to this day. I don't know how it all happened, but it's it's beautiful. It's It marks my whole season of that time. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think the first album was so easy because the Lord wanted to show me that his favor was on that and that it was like his little go ahead. After that record, things got really challenging, but the Lord's been faithful and and giving me the right kind of opportunities. Everybody's journey looks different in the music industry, and I'm just glad to play whatever role I can. What were some of those main uh, hurdles that you faced navigating life after that first album? Well, one of them is financial. If you want to have like a really good record, at least, you know, several years ago, before I even started developing my own studio here, you had to hire the right people. And that's just financially a a really music isn't making money these days. No one's buying a record. They're streaming it and artists get paid peanuts for streaming, but at the Mm -hmm. same time it's exposure. So it's kind of a blessing and a curse at the same time. So financially that was a struggle and then finding the right producer. um, And then the producer that I ended up working with had a bunch of crises that were going on in his life. So my last project took, like six years in the making, which was a devastating blow to me trying to put out new material. And then when I finally did release the record and was touring, COVID hit. 
And my entire touring schedule got, you know, thrown out the window. And so now what, now what do we do? And so I went back into uh, being a worship pastor and worship leading. And and right now I'm kind of walking both of those roads, creating and and then doing worship pastoring. And that seems to be the sweet spot where I have a stable job and community, but then I also get to be creative. And my church has just been so supportive of the whole recording aspect of, of my life. And, um, honestly, I couldn't, I couldn't ask for a better situation than what I have right now. <laughs> I, w- I was wondering why the hiatus between the two, because mm-hmm. it, it seems as though like we had talked to artists recently where they did an album and they're like, you know what, I'm going to be a mom or I'm going to, you know, step away from the music industry. And then they're brought back. I even think of somebody like a Rachel Lampa. If the first album was so easy and so great, do you just then want to quit? Because you're like, I thought this was going to be super easy, super great. And now all of a sudden I'm running into all these challenges. So there was one miracle that happened early on in my second album uh, in the process where a lady just felt the Lord put on her heart to give me $15,000, somebody in my church. I was like, when, whenever does that happen? Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We have this great little podcast. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Hello, beautiful woman. I, I had to return to that miracle over and over because a million times I want, like whatever could have gone wrong in this recording process, like I switched producers three times, different things happened, health got in the way, but I kept returning to that miracle that happened early on because the Lord wanted to remind me like, no, I set this in motion. And just because it's hard, it doesn't mean that it's a closed door, like keep going and Within those six years, I transformed into a completely different person. Emotionally, spiritually, I was not the same Amy. And in fact, I was a way more resilient version of myself. I wouldn't wish that journey on anybody. But at the end of it, you were like, oh, Lord, you were actually doing some beautiful work. And in the physical, in in our flesh, we wouldn't want these things. But the Lord is so kind to strengthen our spirit. Because when our spirit is aligned, everything else is healthy. So I look back and it wasn't, it wasn't my dream unfolding, but in a very other real sense, my spiritual person um, thriving, like there's not a better dream. So how do you get from Toronto to Michigan? Marriage. The long and short story of that is I had hired him to do some graphic design work for my website and my albums and that sort of thing. And, um, I got tired of paying him and I decided if I marry you, then we could just do it for free, right? <laughs> just do the work for free. <laughs> Costs you way more. <laughs> now, does he, he still do your graphic work or did you realize? No, you oh, yeah. from that. He quit. Just can't. Uh, yeah. I'm his favorite artist to work for. Yes. I, I do find the music industry though. So interesting because if you look back on like the late nineties, early zeros, it was like MySpace and pure volume. Oh, yeah. And then as you move forward, now we look at it and it's like, well, is it easier for an artist now or is it more difficult? Because streaming, you don't get paid, but there are so much more people doing the Spotify thing or uh, utilizing streaming services. It's like, I find radio difficult or podcasting tough. I don't know how sometimes you do this as an artist. I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. Like you, and here's the thing is, I don't even think... There's that whole conversation of, am I called to be a uh, an artist? Am I called to be a worship leader? Honestly, don't think I'm called to be either of those things. I'm called to make disciples. I'm called to love people. Whatever I do 
in the, in the midst of that is, is my own choices and me, you know, doing what I love, but I don't think like, Lord, I've been called to be a, a recording artist and I'm not doing it as well as the other person. So maybe I'm not as loved or blessed. That's like, no, God's favor is never determined by our circumstance. I'm called to love his people and to bring the kingdom. And I'm doing art because I love it, not because mm. I'm called. I know he's blessing it because he's gifted me, but you have a lot of people that are um, gifted and not using it for the glory of God. So then did did God call them? I don't know. He's gifted us. I think the one of the best reasons um, we can think of, of God giving us gifts is for us to enjoy him. He gave me a voice so that I could enjoy it. Well, you had mentioned that um, during that six-year period where you were creating the next album, you grew, you changed, and you're a different person now. What were some of those moments during those six years that changed who you were? I kept on defining God's love for me based on my circumstance. And when mm. things were really hard, it was God doesn't love me or I'm not good enough. There's something I'm not doing. I'm being punished. And the Lord really had to strip away all of that and tell and tell me like, Amy, I love you because I love you, not because you're doing these things. And I think so many of us live inside of that spirit of striving. We associate his provision with our performance and the Lord had to show me like, Amy, if, if all you did was nothing for the rest of your life, if you sat in the corner of your room and just stared at a wall for 10 years, you wouldn't be any less worthy or lovable to me. And that was really freeing because now I was doing not to receive love, but because I was loved. And that's a very different headspace. That was a really, really big one is just receiving the love of God Um and then that whole thing of comparison, when you actually start to walk in your worth, you really don't care what any, what is happening to anybody else around you. Mm -hmm. You just don't like, it doesn't matter. That's amazing. I wish we could learn these lessons without the valleys and the hardships, but it's in those valleys that God really reveals himself in those ways. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about your, because um, I remember seeing online something about your your vocals or something, um, like your vocal cords. And uh, going through that, I think for me, if I was a singer, even, so we're in radio, and if oh, yeah. our throats and our vocal cords aren't working, like, how do we make money? Like, how do we, yeah. <laughs> how do we speak? I mean, yeah, it was my Little Mermaid experience. Like, who are you? without your voice. And I don't even mean singing, but like, what's your personality? So I, I, I think I was 17 or 18. I lost my voice for six months. And at first mm. I was horrified that I couldn't sing, but then I was like, I just want to talk. That was probably the first time the Lord was dealing with um, identity. Like Amy, you are not, you're not even your ability to communicate with people. Like people don't love you because you have conversations with them and that you can, cause I'm a, I'm a two on the Enneagram. I'm a two, three and twos love to help people. Are you a two as well? I'm a two, three. Yeah. Okay. High five. That's why we get along. Um, so I was like, how do I encourage anybody? I'm just useless. I'm literally useless without my voice. Um, thus began my letter writing and my prayer warrior time and my intercession and my silence and solitude. Like, any 18 year old that needs to go through that. I mean, I, the Lord was, I was destined to be an old soul. Like I had to learn some really hard lessons early on. And that was one of them that again, 
my value didn't come from anything I can do. And when my voice was restored, it actually came back fuller and Mm. stronger. Um, I don't know how I was singing with, um, with tones that I had never sung before. And it was like, right at that point, the Lord was like, okay, you, you are off the leash. Like you were, you were going and we've, we've got things to do. And I don't think he was not for a second. Was he punishing me? Was there a reason why you had lost it? Did they I had say? vocal nodules. Yeah. I had vocal blisters okay. on boards. And so it was either shut up for a long time or do surgery. And I was like, yeah, we're not doing surgery. You never know how that's going to go. So yeah. I just stopped talking. You know, I find fascinating just hearing you talking about not having a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you are advocating for people who don't have a voice in a different way. Oh, kind of girl. Way. I was Never like, thought of that. Like, what an incredible way. Always that, good like... for that. She, <laughs> she like brings it all together. I just heard that and thought, that's just amazing that now you're working to support oh. teens who are being trafficked, have been trafficked, and they don't have a voice. And yet when you were a teen, you didn't have your voice in a different kind of way. Mm. So can you explain and just share with us how, A, you even got into that realm of being curious and wanting to advocate for people who are being trafficked? Wow, Holly, that was beautiful. I'll have to remember that, that connection. Um, Well, in my university years, a missionary came. I don't remember if she was from Cambodia or somewhere, but I had heard about the concept of human trafficking that was just Mm -hmm. horrified. But it wasn't until I moved to Michigan, it was that must have been 2013, that year, because we got married in December um, 2013. I watched the film Taken with Liam Neeson. I don't know why. After I watched that film, I I was just pacing up and down our apartment. And I was like, how is how how is this going on? And how are we not doing anything about this? How can I how can I just sit here now? I can't. In my mind, I didn't have an option. And so I was just like frantically searching for organizations that um, were already doing something. I stumbled across the A21 campaign, started advocating for oh. them, doing doing walks, silent protests, raising money, was doing a speaking events. I ended up within that, I think it was like a few years of doing that, came across um, the the autobiography, The Slave Across the Street by Teresa Flores. Turns out she was more local to me near the Detroit area, although now she's in Ohio. I had always wanted to like write a song because that's what I do, right? I write songs. And there was, until I read her book, I didn't have the language to write it properly. I didn't want to do some cheese ball song and also tie it all up with a nice pretty bow. Like, cause that's not the reality of human trafficking. We have lots of work to do. Oh. And um, so reading her story, I actually had to put her book down so many times cause uh, it was, it was gut wrenching. And Peter actually was getting concerned about me. Like you need to stop researching this. Like it's affecting your mental health. So I would put it down, um, but eventually I finished the song. I wrote this song probably eight years ago. I didn't release it until 2023, which ironically is when, um, what's that movie, Sound of Freedom, it was released as well. So it was like this was the right year for it. Uh, But yeah, now with that song, um, I have started within the last year working alongside 
the Silk Project, which is what Teresa Flores is a part of now. And I think I told Holly at the GMAs last month that uh, Teresa will go with her with her team, go into hotels and truck stops with bars of soap and a human trafficking uh, trafficking hotline number because girls are trafficked through there all the time. So when they go to the mm. bathroom to wash up, they can call this number. Um, they have to really be discreet about it because any sign of these girls and 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 boys too wanting to or about to escape, like they could they could face hell. They could be killed. They could be tormented. Their families could be affected. So we really have to be careful on how we're even um, getting in contact with these girls. But it's so many women, children have been rescued because of Teresa's work. And uh, it's just, I'm so grateful to be a part of it and honored that they now, because of this song have really like kind of taken me into their team. Like I'm part of the strategy here, (laughs) which is such an honor. Do you ever fear that your involvement would affect you or your family? No, I don't. And to be honest, um, I know people that go every week into the streets of Detroit. Well, now they're they're more in Ann Arbor. They're handing out packages to these girls and talking with with their pimps. There was a terrible <laughs> incident last week or a couple weeks ago where um, the car full of people handing out stuff we're talking to one of the pimps and he was making this girl stand just in the cold without anything. Mm. And they said, does she need a jacket? Does she need clothes? And and he says, no, she doesn't need anything. And, and there's nothing they can do. And a lot of times the police can't do anything because the trafficking network is so deep and so many layers that a lot of the times law enforcement is outnumbered or out strategized, but showing up there, on a regular basis does a lot because it allows the women who are not being surrounded by their pimps to eat, to have mm. uh, products to to clean with. But also I believe we carry the Holy spirit, which is light and love. And I believe just showing up and being a physical presence, even the traffickers have to be impacted because there's actually literally no more powerful force on this earth than love and everyone prays for the traffic victims, but I don't believe as many people are playing, praying for the traffickers. So what would happen if were they are included in the prayers? And uh, yeah, it's just, so going back, I don't fear because I have written permission from my father to be the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And I honestly don't see, like I have an option. I don't get to sit and do nothing because if one person's hurting, we're all hurting. We're not free until we're all free. Yeah, And that's just the way I see it. As you uh, reflect on your life and just kind of look at those ups and downs, can you think of any why me moments that you've experienced? Oh girl, a million, <laughs> a million. Um, But my question more often than not is why not me, you know? Why do I get to live in such a beautiful community with so much around me? Why? I think that's a more haunting question because if we look at our life circumstance and try to figure out if he loves us, what does that say about 
the world that is hurting? Does he love them less? Does he love all the people that are being bombed on the other side of the world less? Does he love the victims of human trafficking less? Circumstance has nothing to do about it. And so I've stopped, I've stopped asking why me? And I've started to say, Lord, what do you want me to know about this situation? And what do you want me to do about it? Because we're going to suffer. Some of us way more than others. But I think when we ask, Lord, what are you doing? When we ask that question, well, then we start to see the movement of God. And wherever God is moving, that is where the life is. And I want to be inside of that because I would rather be in the deep end with Jesus than in the shallow end without him. I'd rather face the mountain with my papa than live a life that is totally wasted. And not because I need to, but because he's so worthy of it. Yeah. I never thought of asking a what out of a a why. That's really powerful. You really are an old soul. Um, I do, I do have a what though, as, as we are in a brand new year and we have, you know, new, uh, what are the new year's resolutions and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I, I don't adhere to that because, because I fail day one, day two, day three, but what is next? There's my what question for you. As we dive into a new year, what are you hoping that this year is going to bring? Well, some stuff I'll tell you off air, but on air. Okay. this year um, there's some things in motion where I'll be able to do more with the soap project and more uh, in a tangible way of stopping preventing crimes of human trafficking. But um, the other things that I'm excited about is the last year of immense suffering and grief for me on a personal level has led to a worship album, a worship EP that uh, a lot of these songs are churches already singing. And that's just been the goodness and the grace of God. And the, the exciting thing is that I'm going to be taking a much more active producer role in it. I produced myself like Cargo, which was such an empowering experience knowing that I I don't know. I didn't have to rely on so many people that, that I could do things myself, <laughs> which is very empowering. So um, that's kind of, I've already got one song in the, in the making. We have five more to go, but I don't know when that will be released. It'll be released in the Lord's good time, but um, in the next six I'm, years or so, yeah, you're yeah. Fine. <laughs> you know, it'll happen when it needs to happen. Uh, but that's what I'm excited about for 2024. And honestly, just to know my father more, just to sit at his feet. Like that's what gets me excited. There will, we will never do anything greater than to sit at the feet of Jesus. Nothing, nothing compares to that. Just to be in his presence and to be transformed by his glory. That's I'm excited about that. I'm going to piggyback Johnny's what question. When people hear your story, they hear your advocacy work. They hear about your music. What can they do to support you or the ministries you're a part of? Wow. Well, right now, um, obviously, prayer is huge. 
prayer is not a last resort. It should be our first resort. Um, and number two is I'm sure if you Google, you can find organizations within your own local communities. They're popping up everywhere. Uh, the A21 campaign has, is global. It's, it's international. It's all over the world. Um, the soap project that I'm a part of is impacting Canada and the U S. Um, and Teresa actually from the soap project does a lot of stuff for, um, the indigenous people of Canada at no Mm. cost. Hmm. And she does that through the financial support of, of people. And so those are the two main ways. Um, actually there's a third, if you would like to host your own soap project in your community, um, Hmm. you can visit the website. I think it's the soapproject.org and they can send you resources. And basically you're going to go into, um, with your church community, go into any local truck truck stops, hotels, and distribute these soaps yourself. Um, there's certain times of the year that it's more common, like the Super Bowl or whatever. But I think those are three three main ways. And if someone has any other questions, they can email me personally. I'm so well networked within different types of levels of fighting this crime. So depending on your interest and skill level, I hope I can point you in the right direction. As mentioned, uh, encourage you to uh, check out Light Cargo, uh, especially for the month that we are in with human trafficking at Amy Savin on the Insta, amysavin.com. Uh, Amy, as this has been everything that we thought it was going to be, plus so much more. Thank you for uh, being vulnerable and sharing your heart. Oh, thank you for having me. You both have been wonderful to talk to, and I'm so excited for your podcast and what God's doing with it in 2024. Uh, I've been a big fan of Amy's for years. I, we were discussing pre, and I was like, have we met before? We think that we had, but it's been years and years and years. And yeah. it wasn't long enough for her to be like, oh, Johnny, how are the kids? Yeah, exactly. Uh, what a phenomenal story. Uh, and she did mm. reference that we ran into each other at the Covenant Awards in November. Yeah. And when she performed live, yeah, what a voice. It just has such power behind it and you know like with her song like cargo there Mm. is a powerful message and um just you know praying that god uses that song to encourage others yeah it's it's one thing to be an artist but it's another thing to then the the work that goes on when you're not on stage and whether it's her advocacy or all the other things that she's doing just uh incredible so what a great way to uh, kick off a brand new year with amy sapp Absolutely. And with her what? If you want to get in contact with her, please mm. do. Um, please pray for these organizations. Please pray yeah. for us. We're heading no, into please. New Year as well. And we just really appreciate you being a part of our journey, whether you've liked, subscribed, whether you've uh, given us a review. Like, we truly, truly do appreciate every time you guys do this. And so thank you so much. And please continue to share. And you can always check out faithstrongtoday.com. Yeah. <laughs>